All right, so on this episode of the Franchise Empire Show, you get to hear from one of my friends and someone who I work with and just respect as an entrepreneur, Jim. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because I'll wind up butchering it. But Jim has, uh, he's been building a successful franchise empire for almost a decade with some of his recent accomplishments being building up a series of five Orange Theory Studios uh, before selling to a private equity-backed group and now owning five licenses for a pet franchise. So this guy is the real deal. And we dive deep into some topics on growing a successful franchise empire that I think you're going to really, really enjoy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome to the Franchise Empire Show. I've got a, I've got a fun and exciting guest today. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Jim, welcome on, man. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So Jim and I have a, a, a special background. It's, it's it's always fun doing these podcasts with uh, you know with friends um, because uh, it's just it just adds a whole another layer to the conversation. It's like just just chatting with your buddy and just talking about business, you know. Uh, but so yeah, so Jim and I we we've known each other now. I think it, it's been a couple of years now, which is crazy. Time flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I I vaguely recall. I think we've laughed about this, a, um, uh, a zoom call that you and I did, you were either at the gym or on your way out of the gym. You were, what were you getting into? It was like your Bentley or your Lambo or something, as I recall. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. I, I can't I remember. Driving a, I think at the time I was driving a Chevy Traverse. If I'm that was really, well. that, that was the premium edition. That was the premium edition. Yeah. I'm not sure if I, uh, if I have the vehicle that I have now, which is not a Lambo. Uh, but what's crazy is so so Jim and I connected about two years ago, and at the time I still had the I, I was actually I remember I was in Jacksonville uh, hey. because I was visiting the store, and uh, it was the, around the time where I was going back and forth to Jacksonville because I was in between managers, uh, uh, like kind of during everything with uh, with COVID. So and we, that's when we had kind of first connected. And we we're like, yeah, we'll just kind of stay in touch, just have like a quick Zoom. I think you were you still owned your Orange Theory at the time. I uh, yes, I think so. It was like right as we were we were. Uh, it was actually it was that it was early that year, so we were probably entering into that that transaction. But I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, that's a, so that's a perfect segue. So so Jim and I have developed a friendship, uh, a working relationship. He he operates as one of the uh, one of the coaches and brokers uh, with some of our clients and our team that go through the zero profitable franchise system. He's been a successful uh, multi-unit franchisee. He's got he's definitely someone who's been building a franchise empire. So excited to dive into that, man. So just to kick it off, like tell us about kind of your 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 sixty second on your franchise empire, kind of what you've done, what you're doing. And then I think it'll be cool to kind of pivot back on on how you got here. Yeah, you know, it, it, what I'm doing now, and, and let, let me, I, I, we'll jump into kind of like the background, I guess, as we go. But um, like like Tark said, hello everyone. Um, you're right. I've been in franchising for the, the better part of a of the last decade, and that's been in a couple of different industries. I have sold a business during that time. Um, I have started new businesses uh, during that time, and I, I still maintain franchise ownership today, as well as, like you said, acting as a coach for many of our clients and 
doing some uh, franchise consulting work as well, and that's a an area that I continue to grow alongside my uh, my pet services brand that I'm involved in now. So it's uh, you know I a little bit like you, I I got into franchising as and and it was purposeful, but I think I didn't realize the value of it at the time. We can maybe talk about that later. Someone needing guardrails, needing a little bit of focus. That's definitely, you know, some of my personality traits. But I, like you, had started several small kind of independent startups, some of them very much more, I guess, best classified as side hustles. Um, and those were a lot of fun, but they really whet the appetite for something that I'd been thinking about for 20 or 30 years, you know. And so it's it's fun to now be here today. I have a couple of my um, franchises open and operating. I have a management team that that handles that work, uh, the bulk of it on on the daily operational side, um, and that frees me up to spend a lot of time in the coaching and consulting world, doing that and and keeping one eye on 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 that franchise and our future growth. So that's kind of where I am now. Yeah, that's cool. And you're always so humble. Um, so I'll do a little bit of bragging for you. But so you owned an orange theory which is one of the most prolific if not the most prolific fitness franchise um over the last decade or so and you wind up selling that to a private equity company right and then uh and then now you own five licenses of uh of a pet franchise which are like pretty significant operations that require can often be a high six figure, even seven figure build out to get just total to get up and running. So, uh, although Jim's being very humble, uh, I'll brag it up for him because he's a, he's an absolute rock star. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I was very blessed and very lucky to get involved with Orange Theory, kind of really at the time and the part of the country where I I happened to get into it. And, and it presented some wonderful opportunities that, you know, really becomes a big part of my life now and in the teaching side of things, but also in the building out of, of my other franchise. And so, and that, that is in the pet services space. It's a brand called Dogtopia, as you well know, doggy daycare and boarding. And, and you're right, it's complex, but with, you know, it didn't, I didn't start necessarily with this end in mind. And I guess this isn't really the end. Certainly there's much more time to go, but I like to sometimes think that my time is limited to increase my sort of pressure on myself to perform. It's something we talk about sometimes with clients and in your program as well. Um, but yeah, no, Great Ride Orange Theory Fitness, phenomenal brand. It's sort of the, I think the gold standard uh, possibly in fitness, possibly in, in some aspects of franchising in general. They do a lot of things really well. Um, and I got to see that at a time where they had kind of become more of an established brand um, and, and really, you know, sort of, they had very well-developed policies and protocols and operational standards manual and things like that. Whereas other brands are, are still growing into that. And there's a lot of, what I've come to learn, there's a lot of pros and cons of both of those sides. So it's been really, really neat to be in a brand like that, see it grow in my market from, from very little to, you know, dominant. Um, and then also being a brand that's high growth you know, with, with Dogtopia. And, and that's been really exciting as well. It's a whole different path, really. Yeah. So, and I, I want to dive into, cause you're, I mean, you and I have talked so much, you know, over the last couple of years and, and become pretty close, but you know, I know some of your story, which I think is fascinating. People will find fascinating, like in terms of, 
how you got involved in Orange Theory. Was it, it wasn't just like you were like, hey, I got, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stacking up on the paper. I'm going to go buy a bunch of Orange Theories or whatever and, and like kind of build my empire. Like you, you started overall pretty humbly. So can you talk about how you kind of got involved into Orange Theory with you taking the initiative and reaching out to someone? Can you start there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I stumbled into it. I had spent several years in the fitness and, and wellness world and, and that was my job and, and what really pushed me over the edge. So, and actually let me back up. I, I loved franchising early on 20 years ago, maybe more like 23, 25, something like that, right out of college, I had a pizza delivery job for a Domino's. And I got to know the general manager at that Domino's who come to find out was a multi-unit general manager and was on his path to becoming an owner um, alongside the franchise owner he worked with. And he and I, I would do this at night. I would um, I would have sort of a, uh, uh, you know, I had a full-time job during the day and this was helping me pay off some bills from college. I was right out. Got to know him. I, I started realizing, hey, there's some guy who owns this location and these other five locations in town. And, oh, the next town over, he's got two or three locations. And I started understanding, like, I, th I see all the money that I think this place is making times eight or 10 or whatever he had. So I, it really kind of started there. I've, I've always had a very, very independent streak, uh, maybe wildly independent. Uh, you could say some people who know me who might listen to this later might laugh at that, and it might be true. But uh, as I've gone along and had, you know, various roles and jobs, a lot of them have been in business development and things like that. I put, I got pushed into the orange theory thing because I lost a job. I was in corporate America and I was laid off and it was, you know, probably partly my own fault. Much of it was, was not necessarily my fault. It was a business reality of what was going on at that company. I was a little unprepared. Uh, and what it did, and it's something I talk about a lot with, with my clients is, you know, sometimes there comes a time when you need to put yourself in a position where you're under pressure to perform. Uh, because if you kind of do the same thing all the time and you never put yourself in a position like that, you will kind of get the same rolling outcome that you currently have and which may not be what you're looking for. And that's, that's what happened to me, although I did not purposefully put myself in that, in that position. So lesson, lesson one. Um, but, but you're right. I, I pursued this opportunity and, and the gentleman who, uh, was a franchisee, uh, at Orange Theory that I connected with, I saw, I think I saw a job listing or somewhere and I made a couple phone calls and sort of started to get the idea that th there was someone there behind the, the, the screen behind the curtain and he was growing. I, f I ended up finding him randomly, I think on LinkedIn, I think I stalked him on LinkedIn and this is, you know, back before all of the outreach and bots and sales happening on LinkedIn. So I'm getting a little to... bit like how we connected. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, you know, I, you know, you, you got to go back to the well when you've got a good set of tricks, right? And, uh, it's uh, like, who is this guy with you? It was like, this guy's speaking truth and, and speaking my thoughts out loud on YouTube. I got to I got to connect with this guy. And, uh, but that's, that's what it was. And so I, I kind of pestered him into an interview and, interviewed with him and, and it was not glamorous. It was definitely risky. Uh, it obviously I, I, I would argue it paid off. Um, but I started out, uh, like I said, unglamorous it making very little money. There's a big haircut on, on the income, uh, to do it, but it was temporary. 
and I got to learn so much. What was it? What was that? I just want to unpack that for a minute because I feel like that's so, that's such a point. That's such a point that, you know, people can relate to, right? Which is, you know, and I experienced that as well for a period of time. Do you remember kind of what that, that mindset was like? I mean, I know you said it was temporary, but like going into, okay, I'm going to pursue, I just got laid off. And now I'm going to go pursue something that I feel like is more in alignment with like what I want to do. And I'm going to make X number of dollars less. Like, how did you feel comfortable with doing that? Not knowing what the future was going to hold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, great question. And I think I didn't know all of that. Um, I was uncertain. Um, and there were moments in there probably at various times where I, I considered, you know, kind of caving into that uncertainty and, and leaving the opportunity, whether it was to go back to corporate America to take various roles. Um, I didn't, I didn't know, but I felt that there was something there and a lot of it was going to be learning. And in that learning, and I've always kind of been almost a sucker for learning and self-development, you know, and, and I knew that there was going to be some of that. I said to myself, I remember that Domino's guy way back in the day. I have, I now know that this gentleman at Orange Theory has multiple licenses. He's doing something similar. I wonder if I can help. And maybe by helping, I can learn how to also do this myself. And and at that point, I didn't know that I could do it. I just wanted to know how. And I'm also the guy, and I have it somewhere like right here is next to me is my filing cabinet. And I have not one, not two, but multiple very rudimentary business plans that I have written for a number of different random ideas, you know, and, and just playing around with pen and paper or on the, the, the spreadsheet. And, and so this was, this was scratching an itch. I think that I'd had for, for a long time. It was more of a daydream really. Yeah. So you, you wind up getting laid off, which can't be easy. You decide that, okay, I see this opportunity to go kind of work in this for another person in a fitness franchise, like working mm-hmm. for him, let's be clear, right? And right. then you wind up becoming like the the managing partner in a set or the operating partner. Is that is that what it was? How what was it? Yeah, and and we we had I mean, I think we called me various things during my time as a regional manager, what have you, but I became kind of the face of his growing empire. And what it was is he had a, a single unit open and he had three other uh, licenses, which he actually grew over time. It became more than that. And and I remember having a conversation with him and, and he, he has a, a large family um, and had lived a little bit you know further away from the territories. And, and he was looking for someone to to do all of the things, essentially do the daily operations. We need to get these places open. We need to you know, make sure that construction is happening on time and balance that with our pre-sales efforts. We need to hire a team. We need to train that team. We need to hold on to that team. We need to acquire customers. And in the fitness industry, there's a big emphasis on pre-selling, you know, pre-acquiring customers prior to your opening day. So that was a big, and we, we balanced doing, I think we had five open uh, by the time I I exited his his team which was only two, maybe two and a half years later. 
something like so that. You helped you helped get open and and overseeing four new locations after that after that within that, two and a half years. That's right. Yeah, it was a very busy time. Very busy time. And it was gotcha. nuts. And it's also one of those where you you look back and you realize what you've done and it happened so fast. And there were late nights, like I said, it was not glamorous at times. There were there were nights and weekends. There were early mornings, you know, because it's fitness. Um, but yeah, it, it was a crazy, crazy fast paced time. Wow, man, that's uh, that's incredible. And so, okay, so when you came in, was this just like a, a salary job? Did you negotiate like or get any sort of equity up front then, or did you wind up getting it later, or did you just work in a salary role the whole time? Well, I, you know. I won't talk about the exact specifics of my compensation. I don't think that's necessarily appropriate, but I can tell you that when I started, I, I was, well, commission helped and we were very successful in selling and that's great. But I can tell you that I was making what today would be considered probably minimum wage in a lot of states around the country for a specific period of time. But there was a negotiation on the backside where once we had gotten that next location open, things changed and they did. They did for me. They changed dramatically, um, and it was it was just it was one of those where you almost like opening a business. You invest. You you kind of feel like you're investing a little blindly, um, but you work hard. You figure it out. You don't quit. You know, there's a, a a word there that that comes to mind: relentless. And and if you attack the project with that word in mind and with that trait, it it very well can work out. I think maybe a lot of us don't get to that part. Um, but certainly I did. And there were many times, you know, I'm not some big success or hero story for sure. Many times where I screwed up or, or wanted to quit. Um, or I might've like quit mentally for like a morning and then had a cup of coffee and said, Nope. Okay. That's, that's not the right move. Um, <laughs> I was hoping yeah. you just give me the goods and tell me like all the specifics and nuances of your, and the public of your uh, of your agreement. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, well, I, okay. So, but I want to move on to the to the to the next part of the story. But like before we do that, I think it's so interesting, especially for you know for someone listening. Right, I, I just did a a, a live master class um, last week, and um, you know one of the strategies I unpacked a little bit was how to like how to be the other guy in the sense on the other side, right? Which is now you, you like the story has flipped, right? Where you're starting to do what he did, which is, okay, great. Now you're an owner. You might have some financial resources. You buy up multiple territories or rights and find yourself a gym from back then, right? Like find yourself someone who can be your, your operating partner, managing partner, et cetera, who can run the show for you. You can still, you know, some people may want to, maybe they still like their, maybe they like their day job, right? Maybe they don't necessarily want to leave it or they want to do it later on or, you know, don't want to become a slave to the business overall. But, you know, I just think that's a, it's an interesting perspective that people don't really think about or like that guy, he bought his licenses without having you, you know what I mean? And so on the other side of it, it's a testament to the leap, leaps of faith. You took a leap of faith by going to work for this guy, taking a step down with no kind of guarantee on what the future held, 
And then he took a leap of faith because he had already signed his agreements and stuff. Like he didn't know that this rock star Jim was going to be, you know, approaching him saying, hey, man, let me help you, you know, build this franchise empire. So I just think it's such an important point to emphasize because so often, as you know, Jim, you know, with all the clients that you work with, so many times people want to know all of the steps laid out and it's literally impossible. It's like until you open one door, like you're not going to, you're not going to know the passcode to door number two, three, and four Uh until you open door one. And some people can't handle that. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And and what's crazy about that is, and a lot of it is, is not necessarily that person's fault because I think we grow up in a world where we're kind of becoming specialists. But if you want to be a franchise owner, you, you have to really master some things you need to specialize. You got to really understand what you're good at, and what you need to delegate. Yeah, that's, that's important. But you also need to really develop some talent in being a, a bit of a generalist. And, and I think that that right there is hard. So you're right. We get a lot of questions that are, well, what happens next and next and next? And there is a chronology of events, certainly, but there is also some art and science and some balancing and every project is a little bit different, has its own subtle nuances, but you're, you're also right. And I would say, you know, in my experience, there is sort of a a leap of faith that you need to take. And that also kind of goes back to what I said a moment ago about intentionally do it intentionally. Everyone listening intentional, try not to let someone else control it for you, but intentionally putting yourself in that position of of discomfort and and under sort of pressure to perform. It needs to be smart. It needs to be strategy about it. But you're right. You sign that franchise agreement, maybe not having all the answers, maybe not having a gym to run your business, um, uh, maybe not having the location necessarily in mind or whatever it is. And that, I think, is some of the biggest mental roadblocks that we hit for people who have these kind of dreams. Yeah. And so what over that over that two and a half year period of going from, you know, being in the corporate world to now growing this business empire, really, what was the what was the biggest like lesson you learned or do you do like uh, a belief system? Like what changed about you two and a half years later walking out of that as you then began to transition to your next opportunity? I, it, it comes back, that word that I used earlier, uh, relentless. I think I, I really developed, it was something that I think uh, there was a little bit of natural relentlessness inside me and it's probably related to my independent streak. And it probably back then it was probably was not the best thing, you know, it can kind of manifest. Sometimes we use words like that. And I think we watch too many movies on Netflix or too many gangster films or just too many, you know little reels on Instagram where we're like relentless and we're watching, you know, some lone person in the gym by themselves. Like that's not actually life. You know, life is, is about being relentless, which I think for me is a form of discipline, but it's not just me. It's, it's being able to, to form a team around you and, and get results through others. So I think when I exited at that period and became kind of a a standalone owner, let's say, the relentlessness served me well because I really understood what I had seen of my old, you know, boss, quote unquote, you have to be a doer. And, and now 
There's no HR department to go to. You are the HR department. There's no marketing director to go ask a question to. You are marketing. Um, there's not a sales team who's implementing things for you. You've got to either do it yourself or go find people who can do it. And then you've got to train them and then you've got to get them to implement. And, and so you become a doer, a pusher, and there must be a relentless drive behind that in a positive way, right? Don't go watch too many of those gangster films and think that's the way to go. No, but it, it is, I think that at least in my journey and in my particular story so far, that is what helped me get over the hump. And so what, what happens next? How do you, how do you wind up going from helping this guy, you know, build and run five orange series to then owning your own? I, <laughs> I can remember having a conversation. He and I went to lunch and, and I can remember saying, okay, we're, we're coming up on number five to open. And the other four, the first one he had done, uh, on his own. So this was the four that, that I was a part of. And they went very well. And we were very happy with where they were and where they were going. Trajectory looked good. We liked it. And I knew that he was um, he was expanding beyond that. I'd already approached him once about partnering. I said, you know, I threw all kinds of ridiculous partnership options at him. And, and if you're listening, sir, I won't name names. Well, privacy, very important. You, you made a big mistake. You could have made so much money off of me. I would have been completely duped, and I'm so happy that he didn't take the deal now. But I was just like, hey, let's let's do this, that, and the other. But he, he already was all set with everything that he'd done, partners or financing or whatever. And so I can remember having that lunch and saying, look, I think that I'm going to uh, conduct myself out of a job at some point. I can see a future where you may not need me. and And I also really want to own and in some ways be you. And, and here's what I'm thinking. And we went back and forth and talked about options. And, and I mean, we talked openly about what I could do within the brand. I on my own had, had considered going out on my own, whether it was independent or looking at other franchise opportunities. So there was, there was a lot happening in that moment. And what was great is it was kind of twofold, you know, we'd had good, um, results with that brand and how we were growing it. And, and we'd also done a good job of keeping relationships in our local area, but with our corporate office strong. And there was an opportunity in our local market, not far from where I lived. that was an unclaimed territory. It was very unusual at that point in, in orange theories past, but it was an unclaimed territory and it was not sexy. It was not an a plus territory. It was not an a minus territory. It was, it was maybe something else and and that business is still there today so and it's doing well and i'm very happy that i was able to start that so i won't i won't say anything about it being a b or a c or a d because it wasn't any of that it was just an opportunity and no one else had taken the opportunity and it was kind of one of those where well you can have a swing at it kid you know and and so i got my bat out and uh stepped up to the batter's plate and uh and and readied the swing and and it was it was tough to say goodbye to the to what we had built. We had probably almost a hundred employees. We had probably ten to fifteen employees at each of those locations. So maybe not maybe it's more like sixty five, seventy five employees. Um, many of those I had a big hand in hiring and training, and um, and it was it was hard to say goodbye, but it was also exciting to to open that new chapter and challenge. Yeah, and what was that? What was that like to go from? You know, you were 
basically an entrepreneur within, you know, someone else's business in a sense. I mean, running that many locations, getting them up and, you know, up and running, it's pretty complex. But what was that like to then go from that to then actually putting your own skin in the game? Because that's a, it's a totally different emotional experience. Do you remember what that was like? Were you, were you just feeling confident because you had done it so many times, so it didn't feel that risky, or was it was it scary? Uh, it, I felt extremely confident on the operational side because I've done it so many times. I, I, I knew how to run pre-sales. <clears throat> I knew what a good site would look like. I, I understood a little bit about <clears throat> being in a convenient location, high traffic, all of that. You know, I, I knew not just pre-sales, but how to hire. So everything to open a unit, I felt really good about, you know, and, and I was able to go to franchisee training and be like, okay, I knew a lot of that. And I picked up some good stuff while I was there, but I felt really ahead of the game there. Now, you asked a, a question that has two parts. The other part of that, financially, I was scared S-less. I don't want to see you, 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 you told me not to curse and I've got a potty mouth dark. So. I said we leave it out. Yeah. No, you can oh, say okay. Well, I was scared shitless, my man. I, I had some money, right? I had barely enough money to make it work. And, and I actually, I did things wrong. You and I, I think have joked about this because I, I now am able to advise clients on mistakes that I've made. You know, I ended up having some cost overruns, doing some different things, yada, yada, yada. I had to max out a, a credit card to make sure that things happen correctly on that project. And it was a small credit card, but it, you know, that was a big deal for me. But, you know, more than that, you're signing these documents that are hundreds of pages long with a bank and with a landlord with your franchise or, and there are some big serious words in there about your commitments and obligations. And, uh, that was scary. And I was also stepping away from, you know, my previous position. So that meant my salary that was coming in, my, my paycheck every, every two weeks was stopping, you know, and I had zero income for, for a good six or seven months. I was able to balance leaving with having this project kind of running in the background to where it was a, it was a pretty small manageable period, but there was zero income for about seven, eight months. And, um, and that was hard combined with watching everything go out the backside. It was, it was a lot of fear, a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And at what point, how long before you were able to take a, a deep breath and be like, ah, okay, all right, now the business is hitting its stride and like, I feel good. And then, and then you were like, okay, I like, I think I got this. Are when we, I started feeling good probably a couple months before opening um, the business. And, and I think that that stress relief came right around day one when we opened our doors because I was able to pour all of that anxiety, all of that stress into doing the business. I was very much a, uh, uh, I would classify myself more as an owner operator at that time. I did have a manager, um, but I was very involved, almost like a co-manager. Um, I wouldn't advise that for people out there. Um, and, uh, but I was very involved and I was able to, whether it was coaching classes or selling memberships at the desk or mopping the floor and scrubbing the toilet in the early days, the first few months, I still continued to do all of that. And I was able to pour that stress into those activities. And so I started feeling good very early on because I could just do, 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 
right? Work, work, work. Uh, very lucky and blessed to be in that brand and it went very well. And so, uh, we, you know, we turned a profit very quickly. Um, and, and it went well, went very well, um, for that entire time. So I, I didn't have a moment where it was like, ah, I think my wife and I went on a, a vacation, maybe six months after we had opened something like that. And it was not a big vacation. It was probably a long weekend. <laughs> uh, and I might've gotten some messages during that. And, uh, but it was, it, it was a relatively short period of my life that from that vacation going backwards to when I signed my franchise agreement was maybe a little over a year. And, and it was, uh, uh, one year out of, if, if God blesses me, so 70 or 80 or 90 of them, then, uh, that, that's a pretty good investment, I think. Yeah. Man, it, you know, I just, I just have, uh, you know, this is part of the reason why you and I get along so well. We're, we're wired so similarly with just that, that drive. And like you said, that word relentless, which I, which I love that word. Um, but I remember a similar feeling getting our first location open and I, I had twisted my wife's arm, Bridget's arm pretty, pretty strongly for us to take that, that home equity line and credit do our first door of, Oh man, if anyone ever knew kind of the reality of what that conversation was like behind the scenes and, um, <laughs> no, but, uh, we did it and she, she said yes and we did it. And so, but I had pretty much put it all on the line in terms of our relationship capital of like, it had to work. It like failure was not an option, you know? And, Damn. um, and so I, I can relate to that. And so it was terrifying. But like you said, you just put all of the energy into, you know, growing it and building it up. And I, I it's I wish more more people would allow themselves to experience what it feels like to put your put your back against the wall. Like like uh -huh. seek or swim. Like give yourself that opportunity to fight, to fight for your dreams. Because I, I generally have the belief that if you put yourself in that position, you know, you'll figure out a way to win. And it won't always work out, but failure is not final. I mean, what is that? That's, there's that, uh, I forget that quote, uh, I don't know if it was by Winston Churchill or Theodore Roosevelt about, you know, uh, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's having the courage to get back up or, or something like that. And yeah. So, yeah, man, I just love that that was part of your story and you started out so humbly, right? It's like, okay, you're building an empire now. You own, you own five licenses and you're building these mega doggy daycares and cool stuff, but like, that's not <laughs> how you started out. You know, people see probably what you're building now are like, oh, I want to be like Jim. You're like, yeah, but you probably didn't want to be like me, you know, whatever, how many years ago, five, six, seven, eight years ago when I was first starting out. They see the end. And then mm -hmm. they compare where they are now to where they're beginning to your middle. Yeah, there's a better way to do it, certainly. So boys and girls, <laughs> do not uh, try this at home. Um, there's a better way to go about it. Give us a phone call and we can help you with that. But, <laughs> but, in, but you know, it's funny you talk about that with, with Bridget. Uh, I, I had a similar conversation at some point uh, with Allie, my wife, and, and it was like, okay, um, what are we going to do? I think she might've asked me like, well, what's, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Or maybe I posed it to her as a question. And she was like, I don't know. I've never been interested in owning a business. And I, and I think I said to her, it was a half joke, but it also might belie my slight unpreparedness or maybe my 
my sort of risk-taking, you know, nature. But I was like, well, worst case scenario, what? We don't have debtor's prison in this country, so it's not like I'll go away forever. We can always recover. And that was pretty much my whole argument. And uh, good thing we were a little bit younger back then, and maybe a little stupidity comes along with youth. But um, I don't know if it was a similar thing with you and Bridget. But we, it was it was the same uh, risk in that 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 putting yourself. I like how you put that. Putting your your back against the wall, and knowing that you're betting on yourself, and and that you can perform under that kind of pressure. Like I think we all can, and that's. One of the things I'm very passionate about today is helping people find that sort of, it's like a fill in the blank item for many people that they can obtain through franchising. It can be independence, it can be freedom, it can be a lot of things, but macro level, I think it's very important that more people get into business ownership just for our economy, but micro level is really my main interest. What it can do for you and your family, think about, you have kids and and I do as well, pretty neat that at some point my kids who are pretty young will see daddy being a business owner or see daddy doing different things to provide for the family that are not the standard doctor, lawyer, accountant, right? And just knowing that they have options, I really like that. But then also just for me and my wife or me and the whole family, the ability to say, I, I can go mow the yard on a Tuesday afternoon. I can mow that damn yard with a cold beer if I want, at on Tuesday at 11 a.m., a pre-lunch beer. Can you imagine such a thing? Haven't, haven't done this since college. But no, you too can drink beer before lunch by owning <laughs> franchise. Call Jim Honeschlager. Find out how. Oh, man, that's, I'm going to make that an <laughs> But do it, do it. Whoever snips your videos, like they do a good job, by the way. And, uh, and they, that's, there, there you go. There's a freebie for you. But, but no, in, in all seriousness, the, the benefits of owning a business are, there's a multitude. It depends on the individual, but I don't see a lot of downside. Uh, I really don't. I really don't. And so there are smart ways to do it to limit those those things that so, could be misconstrued as as a negative. Yeah. So how did you how did you then go for, how long did you own your Orange Theory, by the way? How many years? Um, we were from, so we, let's see, signed an agreement. In 2019, I sold in 2021. I think my math is correct there. Those are so pretty we had quick turnaround. Very quick opening. Um, very, you know, and we had COVID in the middle of that. And then we, we had an aggressive build back from COVID. And we had an amazing, you know, uh, opportunity and offer um, to exit. You know, and that was at the same time that... Um, that we, my wife and I, had committed to um, to the Dogtopia brand. Um, we had done so in um, 20, 20, maybe my dates are a little bit off. So it was, uh, yeah, it was 2018 with Orange Theory, and we committed to Dogtopia in 2019, I believe. I want to say that's correct. But anyway, whatever the dates were that I actually signed a document, we were opening our very first Dogtopia in 2020 after the the covid thing happened remember that thing what what i don't know what you're talking about yeah uh, there's this thing <laughs> that happened i found out about it on a plane ride back from florida we were on another vacation and uh but yeah so anyway um 
I got us off off topic there. We we're I was struggling with dates. Yeah, no, it's all good. So how how did you wind up selling, and how did you wind up selling to a, a private equity <clears throat> company? Uh, yeah, um, you know, for it, it, what was I think the the genesis of that event or the starting starter was I I knew the individual who was sort of the head the, in charge of that group that that PE group that PE backed group. Um, they were already a franchisee in the Orange Theory system, and um, and I actually had a relationship. I'd, I'd spoken with that person, um, you know, prior to this, you know, not about a sale, not about anything related to that. It was Orange Theory stuff. It was at a convention um, for Orange Theory, and so there was at least a little bit of familiarity. And, um, you know, in, in the when it was time to think about selling, and and what that meant for me and my other business commitments and my family, um, you know, it was like the first question you ask is, well, who in the world is going to buy this, and how do I find someone who will buy this, right? And and I, I think one of the important things and nice things about franchising is you have people probably all around you who are already in your network. Maybe your neighbors are interested in an acquisition and growing in that way. I think you have experience doing this. Um, and so for me, it was because I already had, you know, that relationship and was able to pick up the phone and call someone and say, I think I'm, I'm ready to sell. And would you, I thought you'd be interested in considering this opportunity and things happen very quickly from there. Yeah, man, that's, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's so cool. I mean, another, another example of you showing initiative and being proactive, right? So you're not just sitting on your, sitting on your butt, just like hoping and praying and, and wishing you're going out there and you're being relentless and, and proactive, which is like major lesson, right? I, I used to do a lot of the former of what you said, kind of sit around and hope lightning would strike and something would happen to me that would force me down a path uh, uh, that I wanted to be on. And uh, I can remember years of that thought process. Uh, years, man, years. And and now you, you but it's not that's a non truth. It, so it doesn't changed. exist. That how, way. how did how did you like that's an identity shift? How did you shift your it identity? Is. Yeah, I think a lot of it was, you know, the shock of losing a job, the shock of ch- taking a bit of a risk uh, with the Orange Theory opportunity, the shock of not making a lot of money but really seeing the upside and wanting to believe in yourself eating beans and rice at home to make sure that it's going to happen. You know, there's a, there is a psychological shift that probably starts in that. And I think, you don't. and there was a little bit of a, of a lightning strike that happened, I guess, now that I say that with the job loss, but you can do these things purposefully to yourself, which I think is a much better way to go about it. Um, but, but it is, it is definitely a, a, a bit of a shift, but that is, it is that relentlessness. It can turn into proactivity and so now I, I kind of always am of the feeling that I don't want to put all of my eggs in one basket, you know, at any given time, because, you know, security is kind of an illusion, I feel like, you know, am I secure at my job? You know, am I secure with my boss and what he thinks about me? Am I secure with this business that I own? You know, anything can happen, right? Lightning could strike and burn your house down, you know, for example, and, and many other things, good, or, bad, uh, anything in between. And What's that? I'm sorry. I said, oh yeah, there, there's that thing, you know? And so, um, but, 
but by being proactive and, and I think in many ways resourceful, um, I'm sort of always out trying to talk to people. It's a little bit, I think we, we disguise it as the term networking. Um, but it's really just being curious and, and looking for maybe opportunities or just looking to satisfy a little bit of that intellectual curiosity and it will lead you down interesting paths. It and will. I mean, that's what a common theme for you that, that has showed up. Cause I mean, that's how we got connected. I mean, you hopped on my email list early on and I was sending out email blasts and I, I don't even remember the one you replied to or the manner in which you replied, but I just remember you went up replying to one of the email blasts I was putting out and then it was like, oh yeah, let's, uh, let's connect. Let's hop on a zoom. And, and that led, that led to our Zoom conversation when I was waiting outside of Five Guys. Uh, I think either I was waiting for my food to be done or I had just finished eating at Five Guys. I remember. Oh, guilty very- pleasure. Easy with that, Five Guys. <laughs> it's my favorite burger spot. Oh, yes. The Cajun the, uh, fries. Your emails were coming in and I was like, this is like really, this is good AI. He's got good good drip campaign. But there are a couple where your subject line plus your first line, I was like, is he personalizing this? He can't be. There's got to be a bunch of me's out there. But I, I've seen this guy on YouTube. He's speaking about all these things I'm already thinking about. Let me just, let me connect with him because I wanted to talk to you about what you were doing. And um, I can remember, I, I think I replied as just, I, I don't even remember what your email was, but I just replied as if you were speaking to me. And then another response came in and I was like, that's definitely his assistant. Right. That's not Tarek, but it was you. It was you. You were replying with the windows down from your Lambo as you were going around the neighborhood, I guess. But, you know, don't text and drive, kids. Don't. Uh, and this is one of the, you know, this is why I love working with Jim and just the, us building up our friendship because he's uh, lighthearted, just funny, you know, the life of the party oh. guy, which makes you, which just makes it fun to just connect with you and and uh you know and hang out overall but it's crazy because just that simple reply and now we've done a ton of business together i mean there was a point for almost six months where you were hopping on our weekly group coaching calls for our clients and 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 co-coaching those calls with me <laughs> now you work with uh, a lot of our clients you're you know successful yourself and your your consulting and coaching uh business so it's just it's just crazy how a simple decision to reply to an email and like what it can lead to, right? Yeah. And so your story, just looking back on everything, is is a is a a testament of you continuing to just raise your hand or to to just open the door out of curiosity. You go, yeah. hey, what's behind this door? Like, let me go see. Or hey, yeah. can I give you a hand? And um, that's just, it's, it, how incredible, man. It's so cool. I, I appreciate that. I need to wake up with you more often. You need to, we need to do this like maybe daily and I can feel this good about myself as a go. But, but it, I think, I think there's some truth there. Like, and sometimes it's like, I can't even open the door. The damn door is locked and I got to knock and knock loud and use the knocker, you know, and then, and that's the relentless part. And then, and if, if and when any of I have some employees now who are going to laugh really hard, uh, one of which I've known for a long time and has kind of been through a lot of this journey uh, with me. And she's going to laugh at this relentless and that knocking euphemism, I bet. So, Kat, if you listen to this, uh, um, please know that it all comes from a good place when I'm relentless with you. Um, by the way, let's go call more leads and make some sales today. Um, but you're right. I mean, hey, look, you never know unless you ask. 
And what's the worst thing that can happen when you're asking somebody for something? They could say no. Okay. Nobody died. It's, I mean, it's so, it's so true. And, um, you know, I'm, you're, you have more of a, even if you feel like you have some introvertedness, you're definitely more of a kind of an extroverted promoter type personality. And I know for me, I'm, I'm much more introverted. Um, uh, I overall don't like the, the fear of kind of rejection is, is very frequent in my life and mind. So I, I'm not, I tend to not be that person to, to stick out my hand and say, Hey, let's connect or Hey, let's, you know, so it's just, uh, it, it's something when I see that quality, it's something that I admire for sure. And it's just a testament that, um, you know, good, th- good things come when you're courageous and bold, but anyways, what's yeah. a, So what's, yeah, a, what's a good... next for you? So you've got location <laughs> number two out of five open. So you've got three contractually, you got three more to open and you have the licenses secured for, uh, uh-huh. so what does that, uh, what does that plan look like for you? Yeah, we are looking, we're growing, uh, Dogtopia. So you're right. I, I'm an area developer, so I have multiple licenses, a, a, a pretty healthy geographic area to develop in. And we're looking for at least those remaining three licenses that I'm contractually obligated for and possibly more. Um, so every, so we just opened our second one a few months ago. It's going well. And, and, um, we continue to evaluate locations for the third, fourth, and fifth. And they might happen, you know, these, these first couple have been, you know, very standalone projects. These might be more sort of intertwined with each other. Um, and it's a unique time in that brand's trajectory, trajectory, easy for you to say, um, coming out of the pandemic with all the things happening in pet services. That's exciting. Um, but that, that brand is, is growing tremendously and it's already, uh, we have challenges because we, it's a big build out, like you said earlier, and it's, and it's a big project and, and it's difficult to get, you know, zoning and building permits. And despite all of that, we keep finding wins. So it's exciting to watch that grow. And the management team I have now in place is growing with us. I feel good about that. So that, that is a whole kind of segment of my world is, really thinking about scale and how do I scale my systems and my process. And a lot of that is people and how do I scale those people and give them the resources and and in some cases the training that they need to take on more and do more and, and have high impact within the business. So when you say what's next, a lot of it for me is people and strategy focused. Um, And then on the, the other side of that, it's, you know, I've been doing this now for a few years with my coaching and consulting business, and that's kind of starting to to gain a lot of traction. And and now, how do I scale that a little bit? That's that's much more um, sort of uh, trading my my time, and I have to figure out how to be smart uh, with my time. And and it seems that you know, um, probably because of my oddball background and my journey. Um, maybe some of the quirky character traits that we've already uncovered here, uh, it, which, which make me happy, by the way, that there's a lot of people out there that that want some help. And so I'm finding a lot of a lot more clients uh, who need advice. How do I, what is this franchising thing? How do I get into it? And so there's a, a you know, which is the right brand for me? What should I do? I've committed to a brand and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, whatever it is, I, I find that 
I've probably experienced a lot of those emotions, uh, maybe magnified by some of my stupid mistakes, and I can help a lot of people. And so my world is really, you know, spins on the growth of two things, and they're both scale oriented, you know, you're, you know, which I think is, is timely for your, your, your franchise empire and what you're building. Um, for me and my little spot in the world, it is, you know, continuing with my franchise business with, with Dogtopia and also with my coaching and consulting. And, and I don't know exactly where the end is. I have some thoughts, I have some plans, uh, but you don't always know. And that's kind of a cool reason to get out of bed and go kick ass, right? Yeah. Yeah. One, 100%. And, and, and again, it's like the, the Martin Luther King quote, uh, is, is just one of my favorites that, uh, you don't have to see the whole staircase, take the first step in faith. And, uh, I just, Amen. I just love that quote. And I feel like, you know, what you've done so far and what you've built is a, is a testament of taking those, those steps of faith. And, and, you know, we've talked about this, you and I, uh, are both people of faith. And so mm-hmm. that has a lot that, that brings a lot of peace, right. And to be able to, yeah. um, to be able to make those bold moves and both bold decisions. And I said to some of the, the, the folks in our franchisee mastermind group, I said, uh, it's one of the pillars that, uh, that I teach about in the franchisee mastermind is that you need to have some sort of faith. It doesn't matter what, what, what it is, because, this entrepreneurial journey is going to test the heck out of you. So <laughs> it's important that you do have that. So cool, man. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. Um, Jim and I have some some plans in store for some more uh, content oh. uh, and more oh. visit. All right. Uh, you guys see of, uh, of Jim, but man, thanks for coming on and, and just dropping the nuggets, man, sharing your journey so far. Hey, I, I, I appreciate the time. It's always fun to spend time with you. I, I look forward to the future content that you just teased. Uh, for better or worse, some of you out there will be seeing more of this mug. Um, maybe we should just keep you on video and I can just chime in as audio, like your sidekick or something. Maybe that's better. Um, I, I might hurt ratings. I don't know. Uh, but we'll keep it fun and fast-paced. How about that? Let's do it. <laughs> cool, man. All right, I'll catch you later. Take care.